right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer on this holiday Monday. Like, yeah, we've got BC political stuff to talk about too, but first we're going to talk about Canadian music. Good morning, Vaughn. Good, good morning, Simi. <laughs> I'm glad you want to talk about this. Of course. Happy Canada Day, Rolling Stone magazine. I, this is lovely what they did. They published it? the list of the 50 greatest Canadian music performers of all time. I have a problem with this list, Vaughn, don't you? Uh, Simi, I would have thought you'd be over the moon because they put Celine Dion on the list this time. <laughs> which they completely ignored her on the 200 greatest That's singers true. of all time. I think there's a bit of penance here, but uh, you're right. We can now go on to complaining that uh, Nickelback and BTO aren't on the list. So, oh, you know. right. I didn't even think about Nickelback and BTO. I was looking at all the, the people that were on the list. First of all, you're right. Okay, Celine Dion's on the list, as well she should be. Number 10, I might add. But how is it that Gordon Lightfoot is lower than The Weeknd? That I did not understand. Carly Rae Jepsen at number 14, she had one song. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, Rolling Stone, right? The rap on Rolling Stone is they're like me, a bunch of boomers living in the past. And you, know, you can look at some of the names on the list and you realize they are. So I think they're really, really conscious about the need to show that they're hip and with it. So Drake is right up there in the top, what, five? He's number Three, I think. And hey, um, the weekend, uh, what, opened the Super Bowl, right? How many Canadians can claim that one? So I think that's probably the reason they were knocked over by him. They're trying to show their hip and with it. Personally, I was delighted to see Joni Mitchell, number one. Yes. One of the musical joys of this past year has been seeing Mitchell, who's had a rough 20 years. She's 86. She's on a cane getting the recognition she deserved. Uh, folks, you can go to YouTube and see the concert she did with Brandy Carlisle and Annie Lennox and a bunch of other uh, musical stars That's a good one. at the Gorge in Washington. Uh, it, it really is quite amazing to see uh, partly the adulation she's getting. So that's a nice one. Um, oh, <laughs> I love this one. It is a knowledgeable list, right? It isn't just the people that sold the most records True. and the most music. Like, you know, they put the McGarrigals on it. That one delighted me because they don't get a lot of attention. And they're number 16. Ah, uh, DOA. <laughs> I looked at that and I thought... There's a counselor out in Burnaby, <laughs> Joe Keithley, who's going, wow. <laughs> they remember Joey, we won't say what his performing name was, but DOA is credited with being one of the pioneers of punk rock in the 1970s and a nice recognition for them. I, you're right. The top, the top three, four, I don't, I don't have a problem with. I thought they did it. They did a good job here. And just so that people know what the top three or four is like, number one, Joni Mitchell, as you said, number two, Neil Young, three was Rush. Mike Smith will love that. Smitty loves Rush. Number four, Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Uh, and then number five is Drake. Yeah. And I thought, He's okay, huge, isn't he? Like, I'm, I I'm not crazy about that kind of music, but... I gather from what people in the music industry say, he's enormous, right? Like he's yeah, he's like Rush. He you can't overlook him, right? So and number six is the band, and I still yeah. think Gordon Lightfoot at number eleven probably should have been in the top five. Well, I think Lightfoot hmm, faded. You know, maybe that's it. Although the band peaked in the 1970s, yeah. too. Uh, and the band, of course, are only four-fifths Canadians. Uh, Levon Helm is an American. So, But uh, anyway, uh, one of the things in the little lead-in that I 
thought was also important. They said that Canada has produced three or four of the greatest pop songwriters of modern times. Nice. And that would be, uh, they didn't name them, but I assume that's Mitchell and Young, for starters, one and two. Leonard Cohen, I'm guessing, and maybe the band, uh, because uh, the strength of those artists is uh, their songwriting. Anyway, look, thank you so much, Rolling Stone. It's nice <laughs> to see Canada recognized. Happy Canada Day. And um, Okay, I'm just going to say know, one more Simi, thing. One uh, more thing, Hey, Juan. listen, listen, Simi. You know what they said about Celine Dion after ignoring her completely? Her voice is unmissable. I know. I saw that too. I was like, "Oh, is talk it?" Talk about talk about picking yourself off off the floor and admitting, <laughs> "Hey, we missed something." Uh, here we are. Also, I will just say this: top fifty, and obviously, I would say, "Yeah, sure, all these belong in the top 50. Uh, No, Michael Bublé. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere in the fifty. <laughs> I like feel I'm kind saying. of about him the way I sort of feel about Celine Dion, and I, uh, I change the subject and let's talk about Brian Adams <laughs> being only number thirty. Number thirty. That's the other thing too. I thought I don't know. Some of these are a little low on the list. So that's what Vaughn and I think. If people want to weigh in, check out the Rolling Stones list. Also, no Nickelback too. But let's not. You know, we won't. We won't Nickel- go into they that. They got Loverboy. Okay, so like way you know. down there. Loverboy was like way down there. Yeah, mm, come on. Don't remember him. You still play it at those. <laughs> That song gets played all over North America every Friday afternoon. Come on. Yeah, we know true. that. Yeah. Every okay. every Friday. Okay. Let's talk about jobs here because there's some good numbers out here taking a look at jobs numbers across the country. And, you know, I know the government loves to think BC is doing really well. But when you dig a little deeper in the numbers, Vaughn, what's the real story there? Yeah, there's a good report out from the BC Business Council taking a deeper look at the job numbers in BC and pointing out a couple of trends that have longer-term implications. So the New Democrats always celebrate the jobs numbers. They inherited one of the best employment records in the country, and they've maintained it for the most part. A couple of things the BC Business Council points out. First of all is that the job numbers are slowing. This is true right across the country, but in BC they're slowing more than they are in some of the other provinces. Uh, we're actually going backwards uh, in already in some parts of the private sector, manufacturing jobs, that's all the forced mill closures and stuff. Um, the other thing they say is that most of the good jobs news in British Columbia for over a year now has been public sector jobs. The New Democrats are increasing the size of government. They've, <clears throat> in their time in office, they've increased, increased employment in central government by 30%. So a huge increase in central government also in healthcare and other sec- in other public sectors. So, what the uh, business council and you know we're, we know where they're coming from, but their analysts Ken Peacock and Jock Finlayson are good. They say job uh, creation in British Columbia is slowing, only one percent growth over the past year, and the it's mostly public sector now. The private sector is stalled. So. That has long-term implications for the economy. It has long-term implications for government because government gets a lot of revenue from the export sector and the manufacturing and all that. And those sectors just aren't keeping up with what the New Democrats are doing in the public sector. And so where are all these jobs in the public service then? Well, uh, you know, Adrian Dix tells us every chance he gets that he's added about 40,000 positions in healthcare alone, right? Central government, so that's just the ministries. That's not school boards and 
universities and colleges and health regions. Central government, um, they've added the New Democrats about uh, 10,000 jobs. So, and that's where the 30% comes from. So, you know, I, were those jobs needed? Uh, do those jobs take some of the pressure off the healthcare sector uh, and so forth? Yes, yes. But in the long run, you know, the government, in order to be able to pay its bills, right now it's in surplus. We don't know how long that will last. Uh, they also need the private sector gr- growth. It's balance. Uh, private sector is still the major player in many, many British Columbia communities, especially those outside of Vancouver and Victoria. Right. Okay. So, And there's still a lot of growth happening. That doesn't bode well, though, for future jobs numbers. Yeah, it doesn't. And, <clears throat> you know, the government it has talked about it's an it's a it's a sign of confidence in British Columbia, but it's also one of the biggest challenges we face. British Columbia is overwhelmingly one of the big destinations of the people that are moving to Canada, of our immigrant population. It's also been attracting population from other provinces. So that rapid growth in the population, especially outsiders coming here. Well, those are the people that are putting pressure on the system for health care and schools and all of that, affordable housing. Well, they're also going to be looking for work. So far, the jobs have been there. Our employment rate is keeping pace, although there are sectors where there's actually shortages of workers, like construction. Uh, but in the long run, that you're right, Simi, that I think is a sign that you know, things are faltering. We're not keeping up. 1% job growth year to year is not going to keep up with the need for very long. It may it may be people are being attracted, for example, to the government jobs because government pay and benefits are better and the government pays its bills so they're more reliable than a lot of pri- private sector jobs. But in the long run, if you're going to address private sector problems, um, you're going to need to deal with some of the things Business Council cites as the reason for slow growth and no growth in the private sector, and whether that is uh, taxes or regulation or regulatory barriers, the difficulties of getting stuff built in British Columbia and getting projects approved, it all goes into the mix. So, you know, this isn't a disaster for the NDP. It's more of an early warning sign Mm -hmm. that... Um, you know, the New Democrats are very, very confident that things are going to be fine and they're going to get reelected next year and the way the trends are going on a lot of fronts, uh, that's not a bad bet. But if the economy really stalls, as it might be doing, uh, then that might not be as easy a road next year as the New Democrats think it will be. Mm-hmm, exactly. Ron, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.